myself not being able to move through and stay on track um, like we that like will be helpful <coughs> if we can. So I want to try to start closer to nine if possible. So if we can get here, that'd be really helpful. Okay. Um, well, last time we got together, um, we talked about discipline, and uh, it's a two-week study, and uh, you don't have a handout. There are some in the back there. Um, just grab one. Um, for you that were here last week, um, can you remind me, what's the purpose of discipline? What, what is the difference between discipline and punishment, for, first of all? We kind of talked about that a little bit, didn't we? Okay. Punishment is about changing or, or kind of trying to modify behavior. And uh, discipline is about um, changing character in our lives that will then produce, if you would, right behavior. Does that make sense to everybody? Huge difference, right? Um, how to shepherd a child's heart, how to shepherd, um, you know, involvement with people. So uh, that's huge. That's really important to understand. The purpose of discipline, um, as we looked at Hebrews 12, um, is about um, establishing in our hearts um, passion above all things to become more like Christ. I mean, it, it's for the purpose of holiness. It's for the purpose of becoming like him. Okay, so that's the purpose of discipline, and we should never um, forget that. So we looked at uh, the fact that the, uh, in the church that, that God has given um, uh, authority for discipline to the local church, uh, we saw last week that um, God has uh, given re- authority, responsibility, and accountability to the local church for discipline. So not only has he given authority to the church, but he's given it authority for disciplining to the local church. And, and so when we talk about this issue, it's um, of utmost importance to God. Why is it so important to God that, um, this, that, that there's, a, first of all, a process laid out, a procedure, a, a method, um, a way that he lays out? Because this doesn't exist outside the church, does it? it really doesn't. What? How? Why doesn't it exist outside the church? Don't really care about this, do they? Not really important. Doing their own thing. What the standard is. requires discipline from one Exactly. Exactly. That's why you see a great lines. Exactly. And that's why when we see even our, our leaders, I mean, we're going to um, choose leaders. In our, even in our country, right? And don't bring up character, you know. Don't even bring up behavior you know, nowadays. You might offend somebody. Yeah. So and so, you know, the, you have to put discipline aside in order to keep yeah. whatever you don't have. Exactly. Doing, you know, what you're doing exactly. You can't, you know. Exactly. And so if you don't have this, in, uh, in, how do you have trust? Because how do you trust somebody that you don't, can't, you, you can't uh, honor, you know, the way they stand, what they stand for and who they are, um, their character and conduct. So, of utmost importance, right? So we saw here that discipline, there's two types of disciplines. One's a broad sense of way of living. We're not going to be talking about that in our time together, really. What we're talking about here is really a more narrow sense of, of discipline as it pertains to loving confrontation, okay, for the purpose of restoration. And what did we say restoration was? Do I remember? Bring back. Bring back or mend or what? Motive of the heart, okay? The, the word restoration actually means to... To, to bring it back into into the rightful place it was before. It's kind of like use, the words that we would use for mending a, a gnat that was broken, kind of put it back in its functioning state again. Or, let's say, uh, setting a bone, a bone's broken, and like putting it back in place so that it can be, go back to its useful state. Yeah, Mike? One good example would also be the restoration of the 
for his car, you know. It used to be yeah. in the showroom. And over the last 20, 30, 40 years, it kind of decayed uh-huh. and found away and tore to the... It's original condition for its, for its original purpose. Right, exactly. Amen. Okay, um, but there is a there there is a la, a, la, a lad, last piece of this, which really is the discipline portion versus the I'll call it the restoration process. Follow me. That 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 is laid out in Scripture as to as to fellowship. So we'll talk more about that. Okay, we also talked about that. There's a bunch of excuses that people churches I'll say in general use um, to not do this, and we talked about the you know. Don't really love one another. Never seen it actually work. May, may scare people away. It's been abused by it. We don't have time for it. We just preach and teach them out. Our church is too big or too small to do that. We might be sued. And we acknowledge that each one of these are probably, you know, there's an element of truth in each one of them, isn't there? And so, um, we, uh, but that doesn't keep a, I mean, uh, you know, the fear of man is not, doesn't have, it shouldn't rise to the level of fear of God. And we need to fear God. And what he says is important, most important, right? Okay? Next is, we said that guys, did, uh, that, that the, the imperatives for doing this, for, for, for following this process, are, are really three things. First, to protect God's reputation, of utmost importance. Huge. Um, when people look into this body here, or into any local church, do they see something different, you know, as a result of, 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 of the Word of God in lives of people? I hope so. I pray that it would. Second is to protect the uh, uh, sinning brother from, from more discipline. Because we said, what did we say about the process of God's discipline in our life? It does what? It ratchets up and up. It starts low, right? It just keeps ratcheting, 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 ratcheting up. And, and so, I mean, if we really love one another, we will do whatever it takes, back to what Jim that I've been talking about. We'll, we'll do whatever it takes to get involved in that person's life to say, do you understand that you are going to be getting a three, you know, a four by eight next week instead of the two by four this week? If you don't turn around, if you don't listen, if you don't like understand that you need to repent of what you're doing and move forward towards becoming like Christ in this area. I mean, it's huge. If we really love one another, we will believe that God cares more about that person than we do, and that He will do whatever it takes across the process, including taking a person home to be with them, to keep that from dishonoring His name to a level that 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 will not be good. And so He wants us to care most about becoming like Him. Make sense? The last one here is the purity of the church, which is exa- exactly that case, which is, which is, is which is the um, that he cares about holiness, he cares about purity, he cares about people wanting him more than anything else, and, and he'll he'll make that happen. Okay. And then last thing, as we said, key learnings is if we don't discipline our people who need it, we'll lose our good people. If we don't discipline our people who need it, our good people will be encouraged to sin. If there aren't any consequences about doing whatever I want then what will happen? Other people will see that there aren't consequences here and now. And they'll think that there aren't consequences in the future, and they'll go do those same things and, and not have, uh, not, not change their hearts. Make sense? Okay? And then last but not least, we looked at uh, um, when does discipline need to occur? We said it's not about doing these particular sins, which we looked at in 1 Corinthians 5. Um, 
it's not about um, not about sinning at all um, in the first place. It's about not speaking the same thing as God says about that sin and something about it. Follow me. So we all sin. It's not that's not the issue. The issue is where's the heart? Is it hard against God? Is it hard against repenting? Is it hard about? Is is it proud? Is it it um, not wanting to say the same thing as God says about that particular sin? Well, then it needs to be ratcheted up, and and so it's not about the fact that um, refusal to uh, uh, being about seeing these happen in somebody's life, but it's about a refusal to repent from them and demonstrate the fruit of repentance. Make sense? Okay. So these are um, a number of the key ones that have to do with um, our sin that is in, in a way um, a little bit more obvious to outside. Um, more public, let's say, it were to be found out as opposed to private. It's not to say that private isn't isn't really important either. Okay, um, God has given uh, instructions for preparing for discipline. So this is where we left off. And if you would turn with me to Galatians chapter six, get started today. Galatians chapter six, uh, Galatians chapter six, verses one and two. Would somebody read that? <clears throat> Brethren, even if anyone in any trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Okay? So verse uh, 1 is all about um, the preparation of the one who is preparing or seeking to restore a, rela- a relationship with another person. Verse 1, what does he say? He says, brethren, um, believers here, he's talking to all of you um, there. He says, even if a man or a woman is caught in any trespass. So um, the idea is when you see this trespass. So, so we're going to talk about two types of, um, two, two categories of sin today. We're going to talk about one that is um, one you just see that has nothing so much to do with you. Okay but you see them in another person's life and you want to come alongside them. The second is where, like, I've been wronged personally. Follow me? You see the two, two category, major categories? I want to unbundle both those, okay? So this one here would be more in line with the first one I just said, which is you happen to see something that's going on, how could I not get involved with their life if I love them? Follow me? Okay? What does he say? He says the preparation is that you who are spiritual, okay, well, what does he mean by that? Look back into chapter 5. Who is it that's spiritual? It's those who are, quote, what? Walking and living by the Spirit. It's not those who don't have any sin, okay? It's, it's those who, who are walking within the Spirit that are producing in their own lives fruit of the Spirit. Follow me? It's those who, um, uh, quote, according to verse 25, belong to Christ and, and have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and live trying, trying to have their lifestyle controlled by the Spirit of God. It's a simple thing. So if you're in that state of ha- wanting that in your own life, then that gives you the, um, the, uh, gives you the uh, qualifications to come alongside somebody else. Okay? It's, it's not hard. Don't make this overcomplicated. You know, it's not the leaders of the church. Okay? 
Brethren here is y'all's y'alls. It's not, it's not the leaders. Okay? It's each one of you alls. Okay? So he says, you are spiritual, do what? Restore such a one, a person who is caught in any uh, trespass. Obviously, um, if a person knows about a trespass, then it has become what? Public. In some way, right? Even if it's just for me. It's become public to me. And he says, um, uh, do it in, in a spirit of what? Gentleness or meekness. What does that mean? You just don't come up alongside Okay. So it's really in, a, in the language and the temperament and the approach of, of getting them to listen, which is love. Yeah, exactly. So it's, 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 in, it's, it's a delicate process of, of uh, coming alongside a person. Very simple if you're walking in the Spirit. Very hard if you're not. <laughs> okay? Because you could blow up the situation into a bigger situation, couldn't you? If, if you really don't do it in love. Follow me? Hold of the heart. Huge. And he says, lest you too be tempted. How, what, what does he mean by that? He says, looking to yourselves. So the idea of looking to is the idea of inspecting your own life and your own heart. He says, for what? So that you too won't be tempted. Or you too won't be taken advantage of, of Satan's schemes. Okay? It could be that you maybe are in the same sin. What else, Ma, possibly? Any other sin? So, like, you know, are you putting yourself on trial, you know, and, and listening to what God says about that? If you're in that process, you are walking by the Spirit. Okay, is a good point. So are there any other places that maybe you haven't, you know, uh, aren't in the process of exercising if they need to be? Okay, good. What else? Yeah, what could occur because of this confrontation is a driving even further apart if it's not done in love. But if it's done in love, and that person knows it's done in love, then where does the responsibility now fall? Hold on them now, right? Because if it's really done in love, motive of the heart, you know, care about that, I mean, who, who wouldn't you know, be able to respond to that? If they don't respond to that, then pride and it's some other things going on. There. Yeah, good point. Okay, next thing is preparation of the church is, is, is verse 2 here. He says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. So his point is, when we come alongside one another in this delicate process and compassionate compassion um, to care about people enough to talk, speak truth to them, then we are in the process of, of putting their burdens on our shoulders and by doing that, fulfilling this law of Christ. Look back to verse 13 of chapter 5. He says, For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but what? Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. Care for one another. Bear each other's burdens. And, and, and then verse 14 really says, the whole point is, you know, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, um, that's, what, that's what's happening here. Is, and he says here, these prefer, preparing for discipline, it's not about a specific action necessarily. But he's trying to set the context with the whole body. He's not like addressing a specific situation here. And this is the important point to say is it's, it's crucial for us to, to speak openly and often about discipline in the church so that people understand the process that, that we need to follow one to another and encourage that behavior on a regular basis. Because if not, then... Um, these things don't happen the way they should, and, and, and it starts coming apart at the seams. 
Okay? So I'm going to walk us through... Um, oh, let me jump through this here. Congregational unity is built on theological doctrine. Congregational unity is built on theological doctrine. It's about most important for us to be together in the process of the procedure. If we're not, then somebody over here is going to be doing something out of source with the scriptures, right? And these people over here aren't. And so, is it crucial for us to have be all together on this thing? God's goal and discipline is to restore the individuals to usefulness. Um, again, uh, in the body of Christ. We talked about that already. So the, so the goal behind doing this at the, at the very end of the day is just that, that those things will be put aside and that person's usefulness to Christ in the local church would be, would be um, brought to full fruition. That's restore. Okay? All right? Any questions? Okay. Let's talk through the procedures that he's given us then um, uh, uh, to follow. I'm going to walk through these relatively quickly today. Um, the first one, um, and by the way, I'll be the first to say that um, it says steps on here, procedural steps. But let me let me say that we should not lock ourselves into, you know, I had one meeting and therefore I'm going to step two. Follow what I'm saying? This is about phases. It, it, it could be such that, you know, enough is garnered by that first meeting to be able to have absolute clarity. I need to go to step two. But you know what? I may need to take a couple steps because I wasn't able to, to really uh, accomplish what I wanted to accomplish in that in one meeting with a person. Follow me? And he doesn't go on here saying, you know what, go talk to a whole bunch of other people about the problem and then, you know, get their thoughts about how to handle this and then, you know, you go, now go talk to the person. <laughs> okay? So all these steps, I want to use the same framework here, which is uh, the offender and then the offended and the, the objective of that step. So the offender is if your brother sins. If your brother sins. And we already talked about in this situation, let's go to Matthew 18 together. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 17. Somebody want to read that? Okay, good. So, um, these, this four-step procedure, um, again, as opposed to steps, maybe they're phases, but they certainly um, have conclusions. They have if-then statements in each one of them, okay? So you know where you're at, okay? And um, of utmost importance here, I think, is, is that um, the, the purpose is restoration. In the Institutes for Life that we're having going on right now, that you're more than welcome to come to on a Thursday night, um, uh, we're in our second week this, next, this coming week, but this, this next week and the following week, we're going to deal with the absolute specifics biblically of, of, of the restoration process. So broken relationships, how, how to actually go about um, restoring those relationships. But um, the overall big picture procedures would be would follow this this plan here, okay? And interesting enough, um, if in fact it's been concluded that that I, I I was let's say Jim came to me and he he brought to me a situation that I had wronged him because this particular passage here is talking about what if he sinned. It's implicit in, in, in the language here about sin against me. So this is the one we're talking about where it's like um, he sinned against me. 
Okay? A lot of times what you'll see is people have, let's say Jim, Jim sinned against, or I've sinned against Jim, excuse me, and he's coming to me. A lot of times what you see is Jim's go, Jim goes and talks to Don. And then Don, uh, because Jim won't do anything about this problem, Don feels responsible now. Because as soon as Jim's told Don about it, I am accountable to God for what I know. Follow me? I'm accountable for it. I can't, like, just do nothing about it now. Because I'm, I'm literally accountable for this problem. Because I know about it. Okay? So, so what might Dawn do if Jim tells her about a situation or a problem that exists in a relationship that he was wronged? What should she probably do with Jim, first of all? To do what? To follow the process, right? To follow the process. And, and, and what usually happens most of the time is she'll say that, but she won't care enough about Jim, and she won't care enough about me, to hold him now accountable because he told her about something that that um, he shouldn't have probably yet because this hadn't been done yet, okay? And so the fact that that occurred um, holds her accountable now before God for that information. So it's she may share back to him, you know, I appreciate you sharing that with me, you know, but you need to go talk to Mark about this problem. Now, if she just does that alone, she's still accountable for this information. Follow me? So nothing's getting resolved if Jim doesn't come and do that. So what I almost invariably do with this kind of a situation is I'll say to that person, look, you know, what you shared with me really grieves my heart, and I wish it wasn't that way. But scriptures are very clear that you need to go talk to Mark. Because you chose to share that with me, I'm going to give you two weeks to do that with. And if you don't do that in that two weeks, of which I want you to come back and tell me whether you did or didn't, how it went, then I'll be forced to go to that other person on your behalf and bring you two together. Follow me? I mean, because I'm still accountable before God. I'm still accountable. And that's what we don't understand. And it's that kind of love that we're talking about here that really is so important. 99.9% of the time, these issues, I'd say 95% of the time, all these issues will be resolved either in step one or step two. Step three probably is three or 4%, 5% maybe, and less than a half a percent in step four, if they're followed correctly. Follow me? But if, it, but if these steps are not followed, rampant relational problems exist in the church. And nobody's courageously willing to follow what the scriptures say. Comments, real quick. Follow it. Yeah. That's it. There's no what has to be done. So if, if Don told Jim to come back and do that, and after two, two weeks he doesn't do it, make sure one sin doesn't become another sin, Right? I mean, who's now in the wrong? Who's now in the hot seat? <laughs> Jim, I wronged him, but now he's in the hot seat because he's not going to what? After loving confrontation of Don to Jim, go work the issue. Follow me? Make sense? I mean, all of us know a lot of things that we're accountable for. I want to just encourage you as we come through this time together that it's always right to do the right thing. Always right to do the right thing. But you know what? 
God says in his word here, and we're going to get through it, is that he's going to give us the power and strength to do that. It's really cool. And it's really cool to watch how this actually happens. Okay? So, yeah. Yeah. Normally, what happens is at a confrontation like that. No, it's, not, it's, it's unacceptable. It's, it's unacceptable according saying, to the scriptures. Because really, then those they haven't exercised. Confronted they haven't been exercised. To what they are really, whether or not we'll see whatever they yeah. are. Yeah, because if that happened there, might it also start be happening in other places? Right. And and do I care enough about the fact that those other people might be affected to be able to confront the issue on the front end? Right. It's all about love. A person who says that says that they're not willing to love the other person. Really not. Oh, you do. You absolutely do. I'll completely confirm that and, and, and agree with that. I mean, give it some time. Give it some space. Read the scriptures. Go to Matthew chapter uh, 7, verses 1 through 4, okay? talks about the log in your own eye. talks about, like, you know, again, back to Galatians 6. You know, make sure you're walking in the Spirit. You're thinking that through. You're... you're, you're, you're you have the right motivations of the heart when you go do this. These are all prerequisites that we've talked about, okay? But when that is clear, go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Karen. Right. Correct. Which is what Jeff is saying. Correct. Absolutely. But when you see that other person, you'll remember. No, I don't. You don't? Okay. Well, okay. Well, a cooling down period shouldn't be any more than a day or two, you know, at the most. I mean, so, well, I mean, uh, but but you use the words right there, not as angry. I mean, you still are angry. You know, you're still going to get over time when that happens resentful. Over time, you're going to get bitter. And, and and by the way, I mean, the reason why I'm saying this to to Phyllis about this is that is that if they did it to you, don't you think that they will probably do it to somebody else? Oh, yeah. So that's the issue. If we're not caring enough to confront this particular issue, know for a fact, people don't change without the Spirit of God. So they're going to go do it again. And are we okay with knowing that there's this plethora of people that that's happening to? No, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be if we love the church. So... Um, it's about most importance for us to. I mean, like, you know, it's, I feel that, you know, mad, you're upset. Mm-hmm. Right there mm-hmm. is when you have to go to God, right off the way, yeah. pull off now. Yeah. You know, they have to get down on knees and realize that you just read that person. It is. It absolutely is. I think if we are thinking it's. Absolutely. And and the the, the, the specific mechanics of, 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 of what you're talking about, the restoration process, is what I'll be talking about on Thursday night, this week, and next week. But. The overall process um, um, fits into these procedures. Not in the church. <clears throat> yeah. It will. Because, I mean, the bottom line is, is it affected you. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters. The fact that it affected you says there's reproach amongst the community of period. supposed to be without reproach. Mm-hmm. That's, the fo- that's the bottom line right there. I mean, it doesn't take anything more than that. There's reproach somehow, some way. This other person talking to, so you will. It's just the gossip. Very, very good possibility you will, because now they are accountable for what they know. And you, you got it off your shoulders. <laughs> you got it off your shoulders and just gave the problem to somebody else, and just by doing that alone puts you in a in a in a predicament. It puts them in a predicament. Yeah. Yeah. But 
but that's why I gave you the you know the, the approach you should handle you know if that happens with right. you personally. So I mean, because I'm looking at that situation. Exactly, absolutely, you bet. So second is uh, the offended. He says, go and reprove them in private. This word reprove is the idea of expose or, or convict them. In other words, you're not the convicting power. The power of spirit is the convicting power, and you would pray before that time, and you'd ask God to use your your exposure of how that how that um, impacted you uh, to to convict them. So um, this is this is about this is about sharing with them. What, and by the way, they may not know that they did this to you. Okay, they may not have no. So so how they handle that in humility, receiving truth into their life and speaking the same thing as God speaks, which is to to understand that what they did um, offended me. Um, the actual language around that and how to bring those two pieces together is what we'll deal with on Thursday night. But this actual process is to expose to them one-on-one that this occurred and how to, how to resolve it. Okay, the objective, yeah. Um, sure, as a believer, you know, it. should you just take what they said to you as yeah. they even have a clue? Yeah, I, even if it's a believer, because they uh, no, I think these principles work. Oh, right. Um, the piece that won't work is the fourth level of, of fellowship of the church, but the principles themselves will work. And, and the point about a non believer, I, I actually use the exact same approach with a believer and a non believer because. A believer may not know the scriptures about what we're talking about here, or they may also not know that I, that I was offended. So it's it's really important to just explain the way it is, mm-hmm. and and see it doesn't matter whether they think they offended me. That's not the point. The point is they offended me. Follow me. Mm-hmm. So how they respond to that exposure or that um, that reproving, that 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 bringing it out in the open and talking about it. Um, dead fish on the coffee table, right? <laughs> it's like it's there. Let's talk about it, okay? How they handle that is going to tell me a lot about who they are. So, and a lot about their heart, whether they're going to hear me. Right. So, this issue is hear and listen. If he listens to you, it's the idea. The word "listen" here is the idea of uh, of hear and hear and agree with what I'm saying. Follow me. Uh, and also, what the, I would suggest, if it's a believer, what God's saying about this situation. Um, then, then he says, "You have won your brother." The idea of one is the idea that you've 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 uh, gained back a brother in Christ to to fellowship. That's the idea. Yeah, it's really cool. Okay, the second one is all about um, loving confrontation. Loving confrontation with two or three witnesses. He says, according to uh, the offender, he says, "But if he does not listen to you," um, in verse sixteen. But if he does not listen to you, so you've gone through the process, you've you've brought the thing out on the table, you've talked about it, you've told them how much that impacted you, and he says, you know, fooey on you, I'm, it's not what I meant, you know, how could you think it um, it impacted you that way, or, you know, I, I disagree completely, or any of the above, it says it's not resolved, right? Mm-hmm. So it that so therefore um, he does not listen to you, right? Because listening here is the idea of Listening, hearing, and coming to a consensus of agreement on what the situation was and that it wronged me. Follow me? That didn't happen, he says. So, what's the next step? He says, take two or three witnesses with you. And from the offender's perspective, 
says if he does not um, let's do now it's rebel it's moving into a rebellious heart or a rebellious state because he's like what is he doing you see that you see his neck stiffen up they're 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 becoming um, dogmatic about their um, fact that they're not responsible right so when you see those kind of things happening you know you're not going any place until the softness of hearing that occurred follow me so it says, take two or three with you. The offended, um, why two or three more with you? Uh, first of all, who are these witnesses? Body members of the... Okay, other believers? Right. Okay. Yeah, I bet you would think that the other person would... Respect? Respect or know that they're not here just to, you know... Trash you, yeah. Okay. Good. So they're, they're, they may be um, somewhat um, neutral in the, in the situation, maybe. That'd be helpful. Um, you also want to look for people who literally... If the, if the events of this next meeting need to become public for any reason, that, that the body or the church who are going to hear this, or even the leadership of the church who hear it, are, are going to respect the testimony of these two or three people who come and listen and hear what's going on. So these two or three witnesses are not people who actually heard the original problem, right? They're not people who are like, you know, well, go find somebody else that you've now told a bunch of people about that didn't know it, see it in the first place about what went on, right? That's not what it is. Because that could have been done in private, right? The, the original problem. So these are two or three people who are literally well-respected by um, other people, even the person you're, you're, you're talking to, okay? Yeah, they're able to be biased, unbiased, right? Neutral. Kind of yep. new to the situation, you know, yep. so they can... Really yep. Yep. Already, well, they've already made their choice before they exactly, and, and that goes back to Proverbs. He says the Proverbs. Proverbs says that he who he who gives a word before they hear um, will will always do wrong, and uh, so this is about listening. Okay. This next one is then the objective is so that every fact may be confirmed. So how do you confirm every fact? You sit in the middle between these two parties, right? And you ask questions in such a way that you solidify down who's who's speaking truth, who's not, and what's really going on, right? Very clear, very simple. Talk it through. Get a clarity around it. And there's no prejudice. No prejudice. Exactly. Come, come with me. And exactly. Exactly. And, and there would be no reason to believe that this other person would not re- totally respect, you know, this, mm-hmm. these people we've brought. In fact, I would suggest almost invariably that that if there's two people on both sides, that you literally bring two people from both persuasions, but they're biased, they're set aside, they are able to help I us can see engage why God it. Would want bring together. People, exactly. Know, calm, like, yep. Reason. yep. Yep. Good. Um, implore them to repent is the objective. Implore them to repent. Okay. The third step is tell the situation to the church. Tell the situation to the church. Again, um, the. Uh, the offender is if he refused to listen to them, who are the them there? It's the two or three witnesses, right? Um, this now is starting to go from a rebellious heart to a hard heart. So, I mean, this doesn't occur over three days, you know, or morning, afternoon, and evening. <laughs> okay, this is this is a phase. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna let. Why is a phase so important? It's really this is a crucial point. You know, these days eliminates any any. Okay, gives people time. And what does the Holy Spirit almost always use in our lives? Time. Time. That's how God works in our lives. So it gives the time for that hardness to be either calcified 
or softened. Follow me? The offended says, tell it to the church. The church here, uh, just from a process perspective, I would suggest that the church here is, is, is the elders, um, the leadership of the church. And I think this part of the process is, is something that, um, if, if in fact this does not need to be made public, and it can be resolved with the elders working with that, those two to three witnesses along with that party, um, that's a great thing. You know, it's, a, it's resolved at that level then. We don't have to go any further. But this also allows, um, beyond the two to three witnesses, the council of elders or the, or the pastors to come around the situation and try to help take it to the next level and work it. And if that does not become uh, resolved, then, then this next step four takes place. Just to tell it to, which is, you know, church knows about it, and it's the whole church knowing about it is kind of what I'll, I'll suggest is the bridge between step three of the leadership of the church to step four, kind of in between there, just from a way, the way it, it makes, as far as how it works. So the objective here is implied. Um, it is that a sin against a brother is a sin against the church. Back to our issue of, of, of the community of the, of the believers um, being in a state of. Um, Becoming like Christ as opposed to not becoming like Christ. Hardness of heart and lack of brokenness calls for radical attempts for um, restoration. So, again, if a person's going to dig their heels in and lock down and say, you know, they're not going to um, hear, hear this, then um, we'll ratchet it up. Keep on ratcheting it up. Okay? Um, any questions on that one? Okay? Got it? Okay. Right, four is ongoing attempt to restore the offender if he refuses to listen to the church. Again, the church being now, we've heard it as a council, we've worked it, it hasn't happened, now we've gone to the whole body. We'll ask the whole body to come, and we will then present to the body what, what's going on. And we'll present to them also the process that's led up to this point. We'll present to them the clarity of the person's heart. Okay? So what occurs here is the offended, it says let's, to let them be a tax gatherer or a Gentile, Gentile tax gatherer. And this is the place where discipline starts, really. I mean, the rest of it is really about restoring the person. And it's not to say that this last step isn't restoring, but it's moving to a a discipline phase. Okay? The objective here is implied again, and it's that sin or unrighteousness is intolerable in the church. Extreme efforts are to be employed by all to bring to restoration. Extreme efforts, extreme extreme situations need extreme efforts. That's the point. Okay, I got that. Extreme efforts need to be employed to bring all to restoration. Okay, anybody still okay? Good. Okay. All right. Next is uh, step four: ongoing attempt to restore. Guidelines around it. First of all, uh, what we would do is we would call uh, the body together. Again, these aren't in Scripture, but, I mean, this is what we would do. Um, and it seems to work. We've gotten input from a lot of so. Um, guidelines would be we'd call the body together, we explain the situation, and then we would say to the body very clearly, um, so-and-so will be being dismissed from our body one week from today because they have a, a failure to repent to the satisfaction of the Council of Elders. By the way, um, repentance always has fruit. Called the fruit of repentance. So the fruit of repentance has manifestations of reality. Follow me. Uh, if a person's got a hard heart, still, or they're or they're they're trying to throw 
throw things back at the process or back at the people or back at the person tells me that they're not in a place of repentance. Okay? So, um, we, we would say to them, they, we have, by the way, prior to this meeting, we would have sent that person, uh, either personally we would have communicated this or we would have sent them um, a registered letter in the mail um, that they would have gotten before this meeting that said, this meeting's coming up, this is what we're going to talk about. Okay? So call us if, if you, uh, things have changed. But we're going to have to take it to this level. Have you ever seen it? Yeah. yeah. I have typically seen it. And by the way, th- that's almost always what happens at this point. Okay? But, but still, we have, we have an accountability to two things. One is clarity to the body, <clears throat> that this is what's gone on, this is what's happening. Number two, if they go anyplace else, clarity to that leadership, that we will go talk to them. Yeah. Um, next is challenge the body to reach out to, to the person in the next week. So here's where the appeal comes from the body. We're saying we're giving it a week. If this hasn't changed around in the next week, then this is the next steps we're going to follow. We would implore the body, go talk to them. Encourage them. Do whatever it takes. Bombard them <laughs> with love. Okay, tell them, turn around. Okay? Next is, we would then, if that does not occur, again, it's to the... The reason why we say very clearly to the satisfaction of the Council of Elders is because they will communicate differently to other people than than they will to leadership, possibly. And we don't want a lack of clarity. It's the fruit of repentance as understood by the leadership because they're just not uh, with, with it. Okay? So we'll give it time. We'll, if things are changing, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll move it. You know, most important thing here is restoration, right? Okay? Uh, whether it's here or even at the end of the process. So we'd remove them from church fellowship and membership if they're un- unrepentant. We would call another meeting the next week with the body, and we'd say, here's what happened this week. It didn't happen, and therefore, as of right now, this is what the status of this person is. Okay, and so the question, uh, the affirmation of the process is in eight, is in verses eighteen through twenty. He says, "Actions are directed by heaven, um, will have been bound and will have been loosed." So the whole point here is in verses eight, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. He says, "When the local church follows Christ's pattern for discipline, it conforms its decisions to what God has already done, and thereby receives heaven's approval and authority." His point here is that if we have prayed about this and really gone through the process and followed it, that whenever we make decisions at this level, okay, those decisions are actually decisions that are made on earth that have already been ratified and, and approved by heaven. Isn't that, a, isn't that powerful? And this verse, by the way, of... Uh, did, you, did everybody get that? This verse here about prayer... Verses 19 um, and 20 talks about agree on earth, agree in heaven. Uh, as many of you have gathered together in my midst, there you'll be in his name. Okay, It has nothing to do with just kind of coming together with prayer. And maybe the principle, I, I believe the principle certainly is true. But what's the context? Who are the two or three here? Two or three witnesses from before. Mm-hmm. Follow me? You ever see that connection in this passage? The two or three are those who have been praying all the way through this process together only that God would be glorified through it and that it would be bound, you know, that God would, re- they would repent and God would change their hearts. Follow me? He says, whenever you are in the midst of doing God, heaven's work on earth, the decisions from heaven are already done. You're just enacting them because you're agreeing with what heaven says. Follow me? 
Okay? So, the whole point here is affirmation of the process is that agreement in prayer involves heaven. Do what Jesus would do. He says corporate discipline follows corporate prayer. He says when we pray together, and now we involve the whole church, and the whole church is in agreement with the process and the procedure and the person and, the, and everything else, then he says it's bound. You, you have just enacted on earth what, what has already been agreed upon in heaven about that person. I'm, and, and, and the whole point here is when you, when you move them outside of your fellowship, scary things are going to happen. Conclusions. Matthew 18 is an expression of the greatest love we can have for another. Confrontation and forgiveness. Search our own heart first. Um, says we, we must consider church discipline in its relative relationship to progressive sanctification and grasp of the power and authority we have in the name of Christ. What does that mean? It means our, our, our vision for this church is one simple verse. That we may present every person complete in Christ, right? What is this doing if it's not doing that? It, it, it absolutely lines up and supports our vision, which is to bring a person to, to get through this whirlpool of this eddy that's happening in their life and get them back into the mainstream of growing in Christ. Well, they can't do that if they don't solve this problem, right? So this now starts to push this problem up and make it a really important issue until it's resolved. That doesn't happen. What's going to occur? They're going to continue to do it. Broken relationship continues to fester and, and fume. And it's scary what will happen next because of the adversary's tentacles into our hearts and into relationships. So the last thing here that I wanted to hit on here is our attitude in the process of doing this is not like, okay, let me look under every cover and find out what sins are out there. And I'm going to be the, I, I'm God's gift to this church about, you know, um, going and like banging people over the head to figure out what, you know. Where they're at. I'm the hall monitor. <laughs> I'm a spiritual policeman in this church, thank you. I got the cop badge to prove it, and I'm out to do my job. What about this, don't you understand? <laughs> no. Okay. We are a church filled, okay, with sinners. And uh, we. Um, so this isn't about the fact that people aren't sinners. It's about unrepentant hearts that become bitter, become uh, rebellious, and then become hard and calcified. And then they won't deal with that particular issue. Follow me? And you can see here, it's an entire progression, isn't it? It's a process of procedures that are laid out very biblically and clearly to accomplish God's master plan uh, in this earth. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's up on the web right now. It's up on their web. Yep. So maybe I could... Yep. Yep. And I have uh, extra uh, notebooks back here. I can give them to you right after this. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, everything's up there. I can give you notebooks here. You can take them with you, and the audio's there. Um, It's it's under ABFs right now because we don't have a place for institutes right now. So. Any questions about this? Uh, Yeah. Yep. 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 It's up there already. Yeah, I put it up there this morning actually. Yep. Other questions and comments about this whole issue of discipline and process for I mean, procedures? God thinks it's yeah. Said. I mean, yeah, some of these offenses aren't a big deal. Some, you know, you're sure it's God. It's important. It is real important. It's because, like, a. Um, cancer. You know, yeah, cancer. Yeah. It does not. Instead of this becoming standard, if so and so did, I can do it. Yeah. Know, I'm not going to. Well, on thir- last Thursday night, I likened this issue 
to um, you all have heard of Ebola virus. Um, it's a it's a virus that that is down in uh, Africa. Um, there was another vi virus down there called Lassa fever. Um, it's the same concept. It's a type of disease that is l absolutely lethal, and it's it's worse than cancer. Why? Because cancer isn't spread by touch necessarily. Okay, so even be able to cancer, you have like lethal diseases that are spread by touch. These two types of diseases are spread by air. They're airborne. That's what this is. Is airborne that are lethal. And the reason why they're airborne is because we talk about it, right? And then it went just transferred to somebody else. Exactly. Yep. Absolutely. Amen. Doesn't glorify God. Amen. Amen. Um, well, Phyllis, would you close us in prayer? Would you? Have a great day.